just quickly, as way of introduction, list four characteristics of a fool. But we want to look at the characteristics of what Paul urges us as a wise person to do. But a fool, first of all, says no to God. Twice in the book of Psalms, Psalm 14 and verse 1, and Psalm 53 and verse 1, in our English it says, The fool has said, There is no God. In the original language it says, The fool says, No God. In just, no. I'm not even going to consider God. I'm not even going to consider that. Just says no to God. They may say there is a God, but they're just saying no to God. You're not a part of my life. And and a fool says no God. A fool, secondly, just lives for self. Everything they do is motivated by what's in it for me, how will this benefit me. And Paul is saying, I don't want you in the Christian life to live like that. You're not living for self. A fool is controlled by his senses. His five senses control him. He's controlled by his emotions. It's all springing from self. A fool lives for self. A fool lives for the moment. Ah, this will make me happy right now. With no consideration of the consequences of their decision today for the future. Oh, yeah, this. Let's do this right now. Without any any thought of the ramifications. Okay, if I do this, what are the consequences of it? See... Cause and effect are foreign to a fool. They may not like the result of something, but they seldom ever consider what caused this result. A fool just lives for the moment. And then, number four, and there's many other things. We could do a whole series on characteristics of a fool. But number four, just to mention, a fool sees self as a victim. They see themselves as a victim. They they don't admit their wrongs. They blame others. They complain. They make excuses because so-and-so did this. This is the reason I am the way I am. And a fool sees himself or herself as a victim. So... Paul is saying, I don't want you to live this way. You're a believer. You're a child of God. Don't don't live any longer this way. And he's saying, we've already seen in chapter 4, put off the old way and put on the new way. So he then goes on and he says, I don't want you to be unwise. I don't want you to be a fool. I want you to walk intentionally. I want you to be diligent in what you do. I want you to be a wise man. A wise man, first of all, submits to God. As we mentioned earlier, this is written to believers. And and we can't take it for granted. We can't just go on and list the things he lists. 
without saying, first of all, a wise man submits to God as Savior. I have a sin problem. I cannot get rid of my sin myself. No religion can get rid of my sin. I need a Savior, and it is only Jesus Christ. That He would be able to save a sinner like me, wonderful grace of Jesus. But in order to personalize that, we have to submit to God. Humble ourselves and say, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I need forgiveness from you. And I believe Jesus Christ alone provides that forgiveness. That's submission. Laying down our effort, our pride, humbling ourselves. It's submitting to God as our Savior. A wise man does not just submit to God as Savior, but secondly, he submits to God as shepherd. You are the one that is leading my life. I am the, sh- I am the sheep, one of the sheep. You are the shepherd. You are the one that leads me through my life. You, you minister in my life. You anoint my head with oil to protect me. You lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. But he can only shepherd us when we follow him. So it's a wise man submits to God as Savior, as shepherd, and as our strength. He is our strength. He calls us to live a certain standard of life. And humanly speaking, we cannot do it. But He is my strength. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And so it is in this a wise man, first of all, submits to God as Savior, as Shepherd, as our strength. But you notice then, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The redeeming the time is is making use of the time. It's seeing the opportunities that God gives you and using them. A wise man sees the opportunities. He is uh, alert to God's purposes in his life, and he's ready to grab those purposes. What is God trying to teach me in this? What is a way that I can be a light in this situation? How can I represent God? What is God forming in my life? And he grabs those opportunities Like a shrewd businessman sees an opportunity for a profit and he pursues it. It's not just, God help me get through another day. But it's seeing the opportunities that God gives us every day. That's redeeming the time. What what opportunity has God given me this morning? See, every day, every situation that happens in your life is an opportunity for us to represent God. 
It's for us to learn from God. And that is, that is buying up. That is redeeming the time. Making something worthwhile out of our time. See, there, there's no merit in living a long life if we're not accomplishing God's purposes. If we're not taking advantage of the opportunities that He gives us. If we're not accomplishing what He designed us for. Life is not just to, to see how long you can live. Life is to understand God's purpose, whether we have a long life or short life, to understand God's purpose and submit to it. And to see the opportunities. Winston Churchill said, A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees an opportunity in every difficulty. Now think of it. Difficult things happen in life. They happen to believers. How do we view those difficult things? Do we view this as, okay, God has something in this for me to learn. God has something that He wants to teach me, but also God has some way that perhaps I can represent Him, perhaps I can plant a seed, perhaps I can be a light, be salt. God, here I am. I'm submitted to you as my shepherd, and I am taking advantage of these opportunities. Seeing the opportunities, and it, as long as you have breath, God is giving you opportunities to do things. To serve Him. And so he's saying, buy up these opportunities. See, a wise man sees opportunities and uses them. Number three, in verse 17, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. A wise man understands the will of God. In other words, he knows the heart of God He knows the principles of God. He knows the commands of God. He knows the workings of God. And he understands the blessings that come as you walk in them and the consequences that come when you don't. So we we say we want to know God and make Him known. Well, a wise man is continually learning more about God. This is God's heart. So I want to identify. This is God's heart toward people. I want to to be one with Him in that. This is God's heart toward money. I want to have that attitude. This is God's heart toward His Word. See, it's knowing God's will and, and walking in it. That's why God helping me till the day I die, I'll never quit urging you to read the Word and, in particular, to read the book of Proverbs. I, I, you, you can't go wrong in reading a proverb a day. And it helps you learn the heart of God and understand the ways of God. And I don't know about you, but I need those continual reminders over and over again. And a wise man understands the will of God. I'm not limiting it to the book of Proverbs by any means. That's a starting point. 
But you, you want quick pointers of this is God's will, you'll read them in Proverbs. I mean, bing, bing, bing. And a wise man understands the will of God. So he understands the principles of God, the precepts of God. But he, he also, a wise man, understands the big picture of God. Not every detail of it, but we understand history. We understand his story. That it's God that began everything. He created everything. And as we've said many times over and over, using the four quadrants of the auditorium, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So that's part of the big picture. But it's also a wise man understands the will of God and understands, oh, this this is some of the things that are happening in the world today. And it looks like all these things are fitting into place to lead to this that God said will happen. We don't know every detail of, of what God is going to do in the next six months or six years or 60 years if he tarries. But he's given us enough to know as believers the will of God that when the Lord returns, it should not overtake us as a thief. It should be, yep, everything was pointing to this. We don't know the day or the hour, but he said it shouldn't surprise us. A wise man understands the prophetic timetable of God's plan, understands the big picture. But a wise man not only understands the principles and precepts and the heart of God, and the big picture of God, but a wise man also understands God's personal design in their own life. What? Why did God make me? He designed every one of us differently. And, and it's unique in how He designed us. And what is it what, that God wants me to do in this life? A wise man understands the will of God. He knows that what he's doing is what God wants me to do. You know, there is great comfort in doing what you know God wants you to do. Someone comes along and says, why are you doing that? Or criticizes what you're doing. You can just deflect back and say, double check, God, is this what you wanted me to do? Okay, I'm good with it. It doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what God thinks. And the wise man understands, I know this is what God wants me to do. And that only comes as you personally walk with God. That only comes through your time alone with God. But he he understands this is the will of God, and I'm going to walk in it. Verse 18, he says, And be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Many times we get hung up on parts of this verse, and we don't understand the main thrust of this verse. The main thrust of this verse is don't be controlled by anything except God's Spirit. 
Don't be controlled by anything except God's Spirit. And he gives the warning. What happens when, when you let wine take control of you? It literally takes control. You're not, you're not in control of your faculties anymore. But the point is, as a believer living in this landmine, you need to make sure that nothing controls you except God's Spirit. A wise man doesn't give control of his faculties, of his mind, will, and emotion to anything but God's Spirit. And certainly, you can give control of your faculties to alcohol and drugs, but you can also give control of your faculties to greed and envy, and bitterness, and anger. You can be controlled by a pursuit of pleasure and ease. You can be controlled by appearance, the how we appear to others, and our social status. We can be controlled by others. It's, it's more than just one thing. The one thing is be controlled by the Spirit. Don't be controlled by your emotions. Don't be controlled by alcohol. Don't be controlled by greed. Don't be controlled by your anger. Be controlled by God's Spirit. Why? There's continual battle in our soul for what's controlling us. And in a moment's notice, something can take control of us. According to our will, nothing takes control of us without our permission. We're drawn away of our own lust. But the point is to be controlled by the Spirit. So, I'm, I'm walking through this landmine of life, and I need to make sure that I'm walking in God's Spirit right here. Here's a situation I'm about to go into. I need to make sure... My emotions don't take over. God, help me to walk in your spirit. Here's a situation where my greed might, might be tempted. God, this is a landmine. I see this trap here, and, and I want to be controlled by nothing but your spirit. Why? We're walking through this battlefield, and Satan has many, many ways in which He can derail us. And it's important for us to say, God, I am being intentional in this. I am walking circumspectly. I am intentionally asking You to fill me with Your Spirit. And, and we've already seen in Ephesians, be ye being filled. It's a continual. Be ye controlled by the Spirit of God. Why? We don't have the strength to live the Christian life apart from it. So a wise man is controlled by the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. A wise man ministers in music. <clears throat> you say, oh, come on, I'll never be a wise man. I can't, I can't carry a tune in a bushel basket, all right? <clears throat> it doesn't say anything about the tune. A wise man who is in, in fellowship with God really enjoys music. 
The psalmist said, Psalm 40, verse 3, He has put a new song in my mouth, even praise to God. Music has two specific purposes. One, it's designed to minister to God, praise, minister to God, praise and worship to God. And secondly, to encourage one another. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, there are many, many purposes that God has for music. You know, um, as we said, He's created us all different. and, And some of you may come to church and you may say, are we done with the singing? Let's just get to the preaching. Some of you, oh, we're done with the singing? Oh, preaching now? Oh. Um, we, you might say, why do we sing like this? Um, there are a number of purposes. We want to praise and worship God. We want to speak to one another and encourage one another. But music as we gather together and sing, is to illustrate oneness. We are coming together, and in timing and melody, we are coming together as one body. So, you say, why do you have Jason up here swatting flies? He's making sure we're all together. Okay? And, and, and... Kathy's on the piano, the instruments of praise, so, so that we're all together. Some might want to say, amazing grace. And others are going to say, amazing grace. No, let's all get together here and do it together. It's oneness, okay? It, that's, that's some of the purpose. We're one body. It also illustrates diversity. There's harmony in music. People are singing different parts, and some are on and some are not. But um, I'm usually one that not, okay? Um, But there's diversity in music. On the way in this morning, we had the radio on, and this, I assume it was an orchestra, was playing this, I don't even remember what song it was, but, but... Marilyn didn't even know this was coming in the message, and she said, isn't it amazing all the different parts of the music and how they put that all together? God's designed music to be a part of bringing us together in oneness, showing the diversity, and showing submission. See, we come together and... And by nature, we don't like the word submission, but we're submitting to Jason's headship in leading us in this. See, music, that's, it's, we're all involved in this. That's one reason we don't have five or six people up here singing to us out there. It's to bring us all together. It's to bring a oneness it's to bring diversity. If you can sing harmony, sing it. It adds. Um, and and it, it is to be of help in that. And we're coming under the leadership. It's showing us 
I'm willing to come under the leadership. I'm not going my own way. Nope, you're singing 180. I'm singing 355. You know what I'm saying? It, it is. It's probably the one time the church functions as close as it can in oneness. But music is, is God's... De- I mean, if we were to make a list, a wise man, we probably would not have put music in it. Wait a minute, this is in a bad time, and they're being persecuted. And what does Paul put right in here? He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. See, music also helps truths stick to our soul. You'll remember a song better than you remember just the words. See, music itself paints a picture. If if I go na 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 immediately you have a reaction to that. If I go na 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 na, when I do that, you're not. Let's go marching. You see, music itself paints pictures. And, and there's certain music that you hear that it has been tied to your soul through a valley that you've gone through. And, and that's why we need to bring godly music into our heart so that it ministers to our heart and soul. Music involves emotions which help bind it to our soul. See, and, and he says, he uses a term, and it really infers a, a measure of exuberance and joy. I mean, <clears throat> maybe we should. Maybe we should bring the camera for back there up here and, and just span the odd. You can tell people that are really rejoicing in the Lord and those that aren't. And you know what? There's times you may come and you don't feel like rejoicing, but you get in and you start singing and it ministers to your soul. But it's not just rejoice in the Lord. It's born out of a walk with God. And so, I wasn't up here, so I didn't see. You can ask Jason. But we're singing, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, Reaching the Most Defiled. If you've been walking with God this week and, and you're reminded of you're thinking, whoa, dun, 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 you're, you're, man, let's get in. Let's go with this. Or you can sit there, when is this over? This is a command. This isn't me trying to affect our, our service. In fact, I, I stopped and listened a little bit this morning. There's good congregational singing. But I want everybody to be in on it. And you say, well, I just don't feel like it. Well, put your feelings in your pocket and start singing. There's a message in this for all of us. Give thanks with a joyful heart. That leads us to the next point, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. 
for all things. I mean, he doesn't leave any wiggle room for us to squeeze out of this and make excuses why we don't need to give thanks. Giving thanks for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A wise man gives thanks always. Would the people who live nearest to you characterize you as a complaining person or a thankful person? Do you view yourself as one who has been constantly shortchanged and neglected? Or do you view yourself as one who has been unfairly showered with blessings? Notice the difference? I kind of got shortchanged there and, and I didn't get as many blessings. as. Or do you view yourself, I have been un unprivileged because of me, showered with God's blessings. The the showering of God's blessings. Un, I like how it says, unfairly showered with blessings. That's a good way to help us realize, wow, I have a lot to be thankful for. And we can back up and say, well, what I have is because I worked hard. Um... Who gave you the body that was able to work? Who gave you the mind to be able to work? Who, who made your work profitable? There are many people that work harder than any of us here, and they've never made any profit. They're, they're barely squeaking together another meal. We have nothing in which we can glory in. And so we should continually be giving thanks in your relationships, are you encouraging friends and family to find reasons to give thanks to God? Or does our speech encourage them to continue grumbling and complaining about the government and about the neighbors and about others? See, Paul said, a wise man. You're walking through this landmine. Don't step in this griping attitude. Man, it'll blow you up. Don't, don't step in this, this complaining. Man, you'll, you'll make it through this landmine if you'll give thanks always to God in all things. And then the last thing a wise man does, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. A wise man joyfully serves others. This, this is submission is for the benefit of others. It's, it's love. Spurgeon said, being subject to one another in the fear of Christ means that we must all set aside our rights and serve one another in love. Christ had the right to remain in the glory of heaven, but he willingly laid aside that right and took on the form of a servant and was obedient even to the death of the cross. Even so, out of reverence for him, we should have that same attitude, submitting ourselves to one another as we outdo one another in love. Then, the rest of the chapter, he goes in and he illustrates this of joyfully serving others. 
And he illustrates it in the most important place to do it, in the home. And we don't have time to go into that. We will be touching on some of that in the Sunday school hour. But a wise man joyfully comes under, submits, and serves others. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Because God did it, sent His Son who joyfully took upon Himself the cross. He calls us now to joyfully serve others. So, intentional. Being intentional in what we do. We submit to God. We see, okay, what is the opportunity that God's giving me in this? It's, it's not going away and trying to, to barricade ourselves so we can live in peace and tranquility and never be bothered by anyone. It's seeing opportunities. It's understanding the will of God, being controlled by the Spirit, ministering in music. Not I just made application here in church. But it's, it's ministering in music and, and allowing us to, to minister to us. It's giving thanks always and joyfully serving others. Now, you can hear this today and go out and you can critique it and do whatever you want with it. But if you're a wise man, you'll be intentional and you'll say, boy, that one right there is one I really need to step up and work on. This one. Controlled in the Spirit. Man, I've allowed myself to be controlled by other things rather than God's Spirit. I need to be intentional. I need to walk circumspectly through this landmine of life as a wise man. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be much more intentional in our living than we were when we came today. Lord... Indeed, there's many other things, but just looking from Ephesians 5 to the things that you led Paul to write to the church at Ephesus, we are indeed challenged for the need to be intentional. And Lord, I pray that as a result of your truth by your Spirit ministered in our hearts, that we would be able to walk in victory through the landmine of this life. And Lord, that you would be honored as we do. So I pray that there would be specific, direct, intentional commitments in our lives to do what a wise man does by the power of your Spirit. And Lord, I pray that there would be great glory brought to you as a result. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you say that you've kind of been guilty of just letting the events and the affairs and the responsibilities and duties of life just kind of control you. i got to do this and this and this. And, and you really haven't been intentional. I would urge you today to say, God, I, I want to walk circumspectly. I want to walk with intention 
through this life and the specific areas that he mentioned in Ephesians chapter 5 to begin with one and say, God, this is the one. This is for believers. As the instrument begins to play, will you just go before God and say, God, it's too easy for me to live for self, to not be intentional, and then to commit to intentionality in our walk with Him. Perhaps you're here today and you say, I have never submitted to God as my Savior. I've tried being good, whatever, but I see today by the ministry of God's Spirit that only Christ can forgive my sins. I would urge you to just right now go before God and say, God, I know I am a sinner. I know I need your forgiveness And I call upon you to forgive my sins through Jesus' blood. If you've done that today, we'd we'd love to help you and point you in the way to grow in Him. But it begins with submission to God. Heavenly Father, I do pray that your truth would find good ground in our souls. Lord, that we wouldn't let the activities of the day snatch away the truth. That we wouldn't let the cares and pleasures of this life choke out the truth. But Lord, that the truth of you would produce fruit and much fruit in our lives. So, Lord, we know that can only happen as we walk in obedience to Your Spirit. We know Your Spirit desires to lead us. May You find in us eager, willing hearts to obey You. We love You, Lord. We want to love You even more. We want to be the light that You want us to be. So help us to be intentional, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We rel-